1: From the Cycling Independent, this is The Paceline, Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Um, Before you say anything, mm, how was Wenty, Dude. I mean, like, dude. Dude. I mean, okay, so I wasn't actually the, the, the least racer-type person there. Uh, Rather amazingly, I completed three laps. Wow. That was a surprise even to me. That's 150% more... Wait. 200% more than what I I was banking on. Sorry,
0: yes, yes. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) The
0: writer tries to do math on the fly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And people wonder why we produce a podcast. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, So... Uh yeah, I, the first lap. So I've actually been working on a piece of fiction that is set there. Oh. Crazy thing. Yeah. Uh and I've wanted to have like really detailed information on that course. And so my very first lap took two hours because I would ride like a hundred meters and I'd stop and I'd pull over and take a couple photos. Then I'd ride another hundred meters, pull off the course, let some guys pass, take another couple photos it takes two hours to do that on an eight mile course. If you're me. Yeah. Uh, and people were amazed that like I was getting out of the way long before they were even in range of needing me out of the way. So yeah. n- nobody was like, blah, blah, blah. you know, it was like, dude, thanks. Hey, you know? And so it made right. that lap especially pleasant. My second lap, I actually went out and rode. I did that one like an hour after I got back. I took a little break, had some fun. <sighs> Uh, Uh, and then, uh, had a break for lunch and, you know, hung out with some folks and friends and whatnot. And because I had some company with me, uh, up there, um, late in the afternoon, um, after most all the racers were completely off the course, we went out and and did a little lap. So I got to, uh, show, uh, show them the awesomeness that is Wente. And I mean, that that course is so fine. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, how often do you get to do a mountain bike race on a course where there are bermed turns?
0: I mean, speaking for myself, never. Uh, Not once.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't think any place else that I've ever raced is like this. And I mean, yeah, there are just huge sections of the course that are just flat out Fun to ride. Never mind the whole racy race thing. Just being on those trails is such an amazingly good time. And because Wente is a scout reservation, you know, it's a summer camp, uh, you only get to ride those trails under two circumstances. One, as a racer entered in Wente, and two, as someone who volunteers to do a trail day up there, they'll go up and do lots of trail work on Saturday. And then everybody rides the trails on Sunday and goes home. And I've been trying to do one of those for a couple of years now, but they just never line up with my calendar. So this was my, this was the first time I've been on those trails since 2018. So uh, that third lap may have been inevitable in its own right, just because of how much I love the place. Um, Mm. It did rain later that day. They actually shortened the race by an hour. Uh, and rain in June in the North Bay is, I don't know. It's, it's about as uncommon as going to Mars. Uh, so that was lovely. It rained. So it happens is what you're saying, but
0: just not that often.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, it rained all night and, you know, it was wet enough that we were like, eh, let's not tear up the trails and just go on home. But it was, I mean... It's a bike monkey event. Bike monkey events go off like Swiss trains, man. They're just really well run. And it was a lovely location. And the people who go to bike monkey events are awesome bike people. Uh, that was the best weekend of my life, probably in the last year. Well, well, well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's a bold statement.
1: I I may have been a little fond of some company I had with me. Sure. Sure, I understand, yeah,
0: this isn't that podcast
1: though, right, um yeah, moving uh, right along <laughs> moving right along. Should we talk about bikes uh well we we've started well on that score, but yeah, let's we keep have. it going,
0: yeah, um, so uh, after a month or so to shake down the the new mountain bikes we've each acquired, mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about them today,
1: yeah, yeah. We've been All talking right. about talking about them for weeks, but now we're actually allegedly going to talk about it. Yeah. All right. Mine
0: is a light blue. Uh, I forget what the actual name of the color is. Uh, steel blue, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ibis Ripley. Mm. It's got a 130 mil front, 120 millimeter rear suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, I had it built with a Shimano SLX. Drivetrain. Uh-huh. has the stock wheel set on it. Uh, the whole thing, as it stands, retails for around sixty five hundred bucks. I made a few small upgrades, like to the dropper post and the saddle, but it's pretty close to the stock SLX build. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought it as a cross country bike with some ability to take on drops, jumps, and more challenging terrain than I would normally take on. On my hardtail.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Uh, before I say too much about this bike, and really there is too much to say for one podcast, <laughs> I would just like to be crystal clear that the Ibis Ripley absolutely rips. Truth. It's a total shred sled. Mm-hmm. Which is the cringiest thing you can say about a mountain bike. But also, in this case, the truest. That bike will roll over anything with enough speed. And it is more agile than I expected any full suspension bike to be. (laughs) So I'm having a lot of fun on this bike. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. In terms of review, that's really what I have to say. (laughs) It's not a very deep analysis, but the bike is killer. There are a few things that keep me from saying more right now. The first is that I have not ridden so many full suspension bikes that I feel like I have the authority to break this one down in minute detail. Mm -hmm. The second is that I have, there's no control in the experiment I'm doing with this bike. (laughs) Um, it's, It's a new bike to me, which means I'm learning how it moves. So that's the experiment. On top of that, it's a mechanical shifting drivetrain where I've been riding electronic for a few years. Mm -hmm. I've moved from clipless pedals to flats. Mm. I'm running wider, more aggressive tires at a lower pressure. Mm -hmm. Really, the whole setup is brand new to me. And that keeps me from being able to give you kind of nuanced insights beyond, dude, it rips. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, all true. Having said that, I find it remarkable that I can throw all that change into the mix and still love every minute of riding this bike. hmm hmm uh, Okay. Uh, fair. I'm not a beginner. I have some bike handling skills, and I'm in the process of adapting those to this new machine, but I'm not finding that frustrating at all. hmm The bike is really intuitive, and I take that to mean that it is really well-balanced geometrically. The suspension is magically progressive, by which I mean it gives me a lot in extreme situations, but not too much when I'm just cruising around. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. One surprise for me on the fit of this bike is that I'm very comfortable on the
1: large. Hmm. I, I'm not entirely surprised by that. Yeah.
0: I, I was uh, historically, I'm a I'm a medium. Mm-hmm. I'm five foot nine, and I'm short legged. My friend Andrew at Cascade Bikes Bicycle Studio, who built this bike for me, insisted I'd be best on the large, which he knew because he also rides this bike, <laughs> uh, and he was right. Uh, so that's a thing to consider if you're considering this bike for yourself. Um, the last thing I want to say is that sixty five hundred dollars is a lot to spend on a bicycle. Uh, the Ripley is what we call a high-end bike. (laughs) It's, it's not a starter bike or a middle market entry. It's a fully realized top quality machine. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So with upgraded drivetrain and wheels, it easily gets into the five figure, five figures realm. What I know from my life as a marketing consultant is that price is an expression of value. One person's expensive is another person, person's casually affordable. (laughs) uh what i try to focus on uh, is the uh, in this question is is the bike good value for the price and so what i'll i'll finish with about this bike is that the Ibis Ripley in my estimation is a tremendous value
1: yeah yeah spot on i would ha- i would completely agree with you um i i okay brief aside um i've been hang gliding once but exactly once. Um, I wish that was the
0: whole aside and then back to business, but go
1: on. Well, one of the things that I learned in in my one time, you know, flight instruction of hand gliding experience is that when you release that control bar. Yeah. The kite, as they like to call them, just settles out. It will just fly straight and flat and gradually lose altitude it's kind of like the no-handed riding of a bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about so many modern trail bikes, i.e. the Ibis Ripley, is that they're designed in a way so that when you're pommeling over a series of rocks and roots and whatever else, their inclination is to simply track straight until you tell them to do something else. Yeah. You know, our old 26-inch mountain bikes... Uh, with no suspension and a 71 or 72 degree head tube angle. All you had to do was look at a rock and the thing wanted to turn. Yeah. Uh, I.E. throw you on the ground.
0: Yeah, this bike is, is I, I'm, I think what is happening is I'm gradually learning to trust it mm-hmm. to do bigger and bigger things. I went out uh, with some friends Saturday night to, a pretty technical trail system, uh, about forty-five minutes from here, called. Well, it used to be called Vietnam Woods, and now I think it's a Nemba Trail Center. But um, there's a lot of big rock and la- big drops and jumps and things. And I hadn't been there in twenty years, and it's it's wholly different. But my my takeaway from it was it was a much bigger technical challenge than what I normally ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it a lot, and as we went along, the bike just shone brighter and brighter Mm -hmm. Uh, to the point that I was pretty cooked towards the end, and we had like a long kind of uh, twisty descent to get back to the parking lot, and I hit like a little whoop-dee on the way, and I was in the air for a while with no I didn't get that like feeling in my gut like oops or uh-oh or I'm in trouble <laughs> I was just it was it was sort of accidental and intuitive and and you know like I was like a, a kid I like yelled afterwards because it was so cool mm-hmm. um, and I think the bike has a lot more of that in it mm-hmm. uh, I just have to commit to doing things at higher speeds mm
1: mm-hmm. mhm Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, I'm used to kind of picking my way around a technical trail and this thing will let really let you bomb a bit more.
1: Yes, yes, very much. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I love about the Ripley is the DW Link rear suspension. I'll talk Mm -hmm. more about that in a minute. But I think that's one aspect of this bike that's really easy to overlook the value of uh, until you understand a little bit more uh, about uh Dave Weagle's suspension designs uh that mm. bike pedals just incredibly well and yeah the tracking on it is wonderful it's uh, i i truly think it's one of the best trail bikes on the market
0: uh i i I've, I've got no evidence to refute your your uh, <laughs> your claim <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, I'm glad to hear you are having such a good time with it. I I think you've chosen wisely uh, to quote Indiana Jones.
0: I'm daydreaming about it uh, regularly now, so that's that that probably tells you everything you need to know.
1: It really does. Yeah. Uh, years ago, when I was publishing Asphalt, uh, the thing I always said to people was that when they closed the magazine and put it down on the nightstand, I wanted the next thought they had to be. I am going for a ride tomorrow. Yeah. Anything that gets you dreaming about being on a bike when you're not on a bike, all good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Priceless. Yes. Yes.
1: Very cool. All righty. Well, uh, I think we're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a minute.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Shimano. Um, uh, this is a recurring theme with me, but, uh, when when shimano put out their grx component group their gravel specific componentry my first uh reaction was really we need a we need a gravel specific uh component group um but you know as is always the case in my history i ended up uh, getting some uh putting it on my bike i have a grx di2 one by setup on my uh gravel bike which is my go to my do everything bike and i love it so much i love it so much it's not a road group and it's not a mountain group but it does exactly what i wanted to do out on the trail uh in a way that i didn't i didn't imagine or could have conceived of before it came out so there you go innovation from a company that doesn't probably have to innovate uh but does and keeps after it and so we're proud to have them as sponsors of the podcast. Okay, we're back with The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. Time for your poll.
1: Alrighty. When I decided to return to mountain biking a bit more than 10 years ago, I was aware enough of what had been happening in terms of mountain bike evolution that I knew I wanted a full suspension 29er. I'd seen as far back as the 1980s how bigger wheels rolled over rocks and roots more easily, not to mention rolled faster. Uh, because I was attending a number of product launches and other demo events, I was able to quickly build up a vocabulary of new bikes. Uh, I knew I didn't like the full suspension designs from Trek, Fuji, and BMC at that point in time, (laughs) not to mention a few others. Uh, I liked Scott's designs and am apparently in the minority of people who like their twin lock system, which I honestly think is just really wonderful. Uh, what I've come to realize is that I like Dave Weagle's suspension designs. Uh, yeah. DW Link pedals super well, even when wi- wide open. Um, I had an Ibis Ripmo, which is the big brother to your bike, um, as well as a Pivot Mach 4 SL. And the Ripmo, I will say, pedaled better with a 145 rear shock than some 120 bikes I've been on. Uh, the Mach 4 SL was... Absolutely the most efficient pedaling full suspension bike I've ever ridden, but, you know, 100 millimeters of rear suspension. Uh, I should stop and mention that uh, DW Link is used on Pivot and Ibis and not many other brands out there. Very few brands have licensed that design, and I just don't know why it's that good. What I became very curious about was Weigel's work with evil bikes. Uh, His design for them is complicated enough that, A, I won't try to explain it here. And B, I'm not sure I could fully explain it, even if I tried. Uh, (laughs) uh, I've actually gone and read the work of other colleagues about Evil's uh, suspension design to try to get a, a better idea of what it is because Evil's website doesn't even explain it that well. Dave Weigel, an interview I read with Dave Weigel, sp- doesn't even explain it well enough. <laughs> uh, but you know, everybody I know who's ridden uh, an Evil goes, "Dude, that's suspension." So, uh, with the ongoing supply chain issues in the bike industry being what they are. <laughs> I found myself in a most unusual position this spring. Uh, Actually, it goes back further than that, but I found I couldn't order one from them. (laughs) All of their bikes are allocated to dealers or online sales. uh, So I decided to buy an evil following used. (laughs) I dropped more than $5,000 on a fully built but used bike. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh so uh of of Evil's various uh uh I almost said offerings. Uh one of their models is the offering. Uh of their various models, the following is a 130 120 bike, uh, 130 fork, 120 rear. Uh but curiously it has the shortest wheelbase of any bike with that travel. Uh, so far as I found, and I am precisely the sort of, uh, nerd geek that will create a spreadsheet with head angle, wheelbase, bottom bracket, drop or height, uh, front and rear, uh, suspension travel. And, and if I didn't already say it, wheelbase.
0: I'm glad that you, um, you uh, use that portmanteau nerd geek mm-hmm. because I don't think either one on their own would have been sufficient to
1: describe what you just yeah said, but go on, yeah, someday there will be rules against people like me uh, <laughs> in some cases, there may already be uh so I was very curious about this bike because I ride on a trail system that frequently has really tight twisty turns. It's kind of old school cross country. Um, So having a bike with a really short wheelbase meant that, you know, it would, with that amount of travel, it would be very capable, but it would also corner more like a 120, 100 bike, uh, because that's the realm of wheelbase it was getting into. Like you, I'm still just getting to know this bike, And I don't think I've got the suspension fully dialed even yet. Uh, But in the last week, I've made a number of tweaks and adjustments uh, that have made it descend better. As a matter of fact, I made tweaks between each of my laps at Wente this past weekend. Hmm. Um, Yeah. And and I, you know, (laughs) I'm not finished. So, yeah, this past weekend, I went up to Mendocino County to bike monkeys eight hours of Wente. I did three laps. I cannot say I raced. Um, The reason I mentioned this is there is a descent after the first big climb that is more of a test of nerve than actual technical skill. Uh, It's kind of wide open. You know, it's a fire road. But there is a single track line on it that is narrow and grooved. And to roll it with with no brakes requires a bit of nerve. uh, Because, you know, if you're not in that line, I don't know hopefully your bike would roll out of it nicely but the groove is grooved yeah uh and that section the following sailed down it and i didn't even feel the braking bumps in one location the it was one of those things where you're so in the moment and so calm that you're kind of utterly devoid of thought and then there comes a moment where it's like wait. I am flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and and the reality of your situation comes screaming back to you and it's like, "Oh, should I be concerned?" <sighs> no. No. Right. Uh there's a, a at the very bottom of the descent, it twists to the left and starts going uphill and there's a little bit of grass there and you you do have to be pretty convinced that you know what to do to, to still roll that with no brakes. And yeah, uh, the bike did not make me nervous the way some other bikes have, uh, in that situation. Uh, so in doing a three, doing three laps, of course, I know fairly well, I was amazed at how nimble the bike was in tight areas. And there were plenty of, as I mentioned, bermed turns where the limit to my speed in the turn wasn't the bike, but my willingness to lean the bike over more. Yeah. Uh, it was easy to follow any sort of rhythm that the trail dished out. Um, I'm, I am deeply, deeply impressed with this bike. The following that I bought is used enough that I probably am not going to hang on to it all that long. Uh, so all I know so far is that when I get ready to buy a new, an actual new frame set, the question in my mind is whether I'm going to go with an Ibis Ripley or another following. Right. Uh, they're, they're just exquisite bikes. Yeah, yeah. Both of them.
0: Yeah. In my in my brief research before I, I got the Ripley, uh, I, I had sort of settled. It's funny, when I found out you bought the following, I, I, my, what I said to you was, oh, that was the other bike mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: that I was considering. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Uh the other bike that I would add to this list of shortlisters, yes, is a pivot. Not the Mach 4 SL, but the Trail 429. Um, that's the bike I would look at this time around. Um for the riding that I do, I'd be interested to revisit the Mach 4 SL. Um once they once they do some sort of redesign, it, the head tube angle's a little steep uh, for some of the fire roads that I tear down. Um, yeah. It got to feeling just a hair nervous. Uh, but a Trail 429 on that trail system, I think, would be huge fun. Um, but yeah, one of the things that I think has always characterized IBIS bikes is that they nail the geometry in a way very few companies can claim to have a reputation for. Truly, I mean, two companies I think have just always, always nailed their geometries and just don't ever get it wrong. Specialized in Ibis. Mm. I can't say that about anybody else. Sure, some custom builders, but as far as any of the other big production companies, uh-uh, no, not even close. Yeah. Ah, yeah. uh, uh, so, yeah, I... um I'm plotting for my future. <laughs> it's always good
0: to be dreaming the next bike,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah uh and and to be in a position where I'm actually allow uh, allowing myself to dream yes. sure sure, 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 yeah, <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, like you know this afternoon, I'm planning to get out for a little spin on the evil and i think i'm gonna go play in some places where they normally uh i normally haven't had as much fun because it's so technical
0: yeah yeah i'm also it's we're headed into a day of rain tomorrow so i gotta get out uh, mm. this evening and try to get
1: some get some get some fun done get it while you can yeah yeah righty, right let's move on to paceline picks
0: all right uh today i'm picking a thing that is almost so embedded in my daily life that I I don't even notice it anymore. Uh, And that's uh, the Nalgene 32 ounce water bottle. Uh, Specifically today, I want to highlight a new Nalgene bottle, the Wide Mouth Sustain, which is made from recycled plastic. uh, That is plastic that was headed to the landfill before it was reclaimed and repurposed. so it bears saying that you don't fit a 32-ounce Nalgene on your bike, typically. <laughs> uh, but for me, that format is perfect for pre- and post-ride hydration. Mm-hmm. Uh, most mornings, I load mine up with water and I'll drop in a noon tablet or I make a concoction I call the elixir of life. And that's what I drink during the day. It's a, a good way to stay hydrated without having to refill over and over again, like if you mm-hmm. just have a pint glass or something. Yep. The elixir of life, incidentally, is a lemon wedge squeezed, five shakes of cayenne pepper, five shakes of turmeric, and water to fill. That's that's the whole recipe. It's it's tart, it's spicy, I love it, Uh, although uh, it may be an acquired taste, I'm not sure. Anyway... Uh, I also like to prep a Nalgene for after I ride uh, with either recovery drink or, again, the Elixir of Life. Uh, but I load it with ice, so I uh, get that all set up. I go out on my ride. I get back. Either I get back to the car if I've driven to a trail system or I get back home. Uh, and my my I have this terrible impulse to drink coffee at all times, uh, you, so I always you make really coffee. Do. Yes, I really do. Uh so I'm uh, as I'm making that coffee, I break into the, the after ride now gene. And that keeps me from um not drinking a diuretic coffee while also sweating, uh which is not a, an authorized recovery technique. But uh, the Nalgene Sustain comes in 17 colors because even what? water bottles have style, I guess. Wait, I yeah. thought
1: there was a law somewhere that said Nalgene bottles had to be that blue. Uh,
0: no. Uh, my In fact, my current one is purple. Um, yeah. the The one that it replaced had things at the bottom of it that i couldn't identify uh and didn't want to submit to a lab but regardless this new one is lovely and clean uh yeah it comes in 17 colors and it costs 15.99
1: oh that's really reasonable for something that's so very reusable yes yes given you what should, you can you- now spend on a standard water bottle
0: yes <laughs> Yeah, and the Nalgene is like BPA-free. It's, you know, it's like the thing that you uh, want to be drinking out of. It's the right size. It's the right—it's just—it's part of my life. Uh, yeah. And I just—I don't know how—if you took it away, I'm not sure how I would function. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I have taken a greater interest in products like that of late because I'm reading more and more about how— um uh, people like your sons and mine uh, are experiencing sperm counts uh, when they do testing of that sort. I don't even want to ask that question. Far below what they used to be for like people of our generation. Absolutely. And so fewer weird plastics moving through their life is something I'm beginning to embrace as uh, a, a new goal.
0: Yes. I think reclaimed, recycled products that are uh, not coated with, um, deleterious, uh, chemicals are worth investing in.
1: Yeah. I I don't want anything that interacts with my hormones.
0: No. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ideally not. (laughs) What are you picking this week? My pick is a bag that I took with me last weekend to Wente. It has begun become my go-to gear bag for overnights and weekends though. I will admit it wasn't the only bag that I brought with me to Wente. Um, That's a separate matter. I'm going with the Showers Pass waterproof duffel bag. The waterproof duffel bag has a main compartment with a movable divider, you know, Velcroed in, uh, and three small organizer pockets. The top flap is a three-side zip and has a mesh pocket in it as well. Um, And that's where I keep my uh, liquid Band-Aid glue stuff. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Both ends of the duffel feature big zippered compartments, and one has a lined pocket within it, perfect for eyewear. The idea here is that one side is for shoes, the other side for a helmet. Um, Showers pass. uh, They told me when I first saw this bag debuted at Interbike some years back, they made the bag as big as they were able without disqualifying it as a carry-on bag for flights. Uh I can attest that two kits, a change of street clothes, a helmet, glasses, shoes and socks, not to mention some wrapper food and two water bottles is a very tight fit, but it does all fit. Um you I one thing I'll I'll say is you I've noticed you need to Uh, readjust the occipital device on the back of the helmet you know if it's got some up and down clicks you need to squeeze it as far up into the helmet to make the helmet fit in the pocket Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the best features though of this bag is the dressing mat that folds out from a small zippered side pocket You can lay it out on whatever surface you have at hand from mud to gravel to broken glass. And it (laughs) offers a place to stand as you change. I didn't think the fact that this bag is made from waterproof nylon was that big a deal. But as it happens, the number of times I've now changed in pouring rain tells me that the waterproof design was a solid move. Uh, it goes for $189, and there will be a link in our show notes. Uh, I, I am, again, the nerd geek who gets excited about bags and all sorts of luggage, all things luggage as it happens. I have,
0: I have a little bag problem myself. My wife pointed this out to me. Um, every time a new bag comes to the house, she says, and what's that one for?
1: <laughs> i've become the person that people turn to when they need a loner duffel or bag or rolly or whatever yeah 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 uh my walk-in closet has added shelving in there for um sorting all my bags
0: all right you may be worse th- than i am all i right. feel better about myself <sighs>
1: Yeah. Well, I also have the problem of like when I go to a press event and they give us an Ipes backpack, I I am loath to get rid of it afterwards. Yeah. It, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I sort of wish they'd stop because I'm just unable to divest myself of bags. Um, even when I try.
0: I have I have a bunch of bags and I have wanted to pick them uh, for our baseline picks here. But it's curious to me the number of times a company makes a fantastic bag and then two seasons later stops.
1: Yeah, yeah. The Giro, as part of, you know, all the the apparel things and whatnot, they did with their, what they used to call new road line. Yeah. At one point, they came out with this backpack. Like I said, I have a bunch of backpacks. I've got backpacks from Patagonia, Thule, all sorts of different companies. And they're all Really, I mean, they're still in rotation because they're really good backpacks. This Giro one kills all comers and they don't make it anymore. And I yeah. can't wrap my head around that fact. Yeah. Well,
0: I found, I mean, did Eric Richter, if you're listening, uh, take <laughs> this Peter back. Peter Nicholson,
1: to, you too. Yeah, if
0: you're if you're listening, take this back to Giro headquarters. I'm wearing a pair of Giro shorts right now from the original um, New Road uh launch uh i have these i have a pair of matching pants and i have another right a pair of riding shorts from that release that were so good and i wear them all the time and they don't make any of them anymore and uh it gives me the sads
1: uh i I should not admit that i am also currently wearing hero shorts as we speak
0: (laughs) yeah The trick to the ones and we don't have to get too deep on this, but the trick to the ones that I have on. So I'm a I'm five foot nine, but I'm sort of short legged and bow legged and I'm bow legged enough that I was walking in front of a bike fitter friend one time. And he said, when was the accident? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, your left shin bone is curved. You must have been in some kind of it's been broken. Right. And I said, no, (laughs) no, I'm just Welsh. Um, uh, uh, but so as a result, the kind of longer baggier short looks terrible on me. (laughs) Makes me look like, uh, like a hobbit of some sort, uh, which I already sort of resemble. So I don't appreciate that. But the, these Jiro new road shorts were all sort of a little slimmer and a little shorter and, uh, they make me look like a normal person. And I like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm. There's maybe more Patrick than there used to be. And so the fact that they're stretchy uh, (laughs) is sort of handy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is I I just want to it occurs to me that we should really be doing product consultation. Um, uh, So if if you are a, a bike industry vendor manufacturer type person and you're wondering if your stuff is good and you should keep making it, call us up.
1: We should also offer uh, personal shopping options to our listeners, oh sure yeah yeah, yeah uh the problem is y- you'll need to act quickly anytime we we recommend something because it will be discontinued at least two seasons later seems
0: it that seems to be the case,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, ask me about my favorite cliff bar flavors,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah they don't exist anymore nope not a one not a one (laughs) unicorn fudge is off the market
1: (laughs) yeah well it was that caramel apple cobbler that really upset me Mm. that stuff was yeah yeah, what what do i know about good tastes yeah (laughs) all righty that's a wrap on another episode of the pace line uh you're gonna be headed back out to what used to be uh vietnam uh there anytime soon I really hope so it's a little bit of a pain in the butt to
0: get to um but what have i got to do with my day you know once i've done with this podcast it's just back to bikes bike bikes and bike riding so uh, i hope i'm gonna get there again real soon i went with friends who knew their way around and that helped uh, maybe the, the move the next move is to go out and get lost there uh which is a thing i, I don't mind doing Mm-hmm, mm-hmm Uh, Yeah. So I'm going to do that.
1: What do you got going on? I've got a bike swap that will benefit uh, Ukraine. I don't know who the money is being sent to after the fact uh, or how it's going to benefit. But people in Ukraine will benefit from some proceeds from this bike swap. All those bike, all those backpacks you're going (laughs) to contribute. (laughs) But I do have, uh, I do have some parts that I need uh, to uh, to release, uh, from my holdings, um, stuff that I've held on to for f- far too long, um, and uh, you know, some T-shirts and whatnot too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll be there, uh, Saturday afternoon. It's here in Santa Rosa. Uh, I, I will try to include some information about it in show notes. Sounds good. Yeah. Before we go, I'd like to put in a plug in for TCI's other podcasts, Revolting, which is a cycling podcast that is not really about cycling with John and Steve Knievel of all hail the black market and Enter the Deuce, which is even less about cycling and is more about the miracle that is modern medicine. And I do anticipate that we will finally have another episode of that coming this week. We're hoping that you like them. And if you do, please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And if we aren't listed in a place you like to get podcasts, let us know where you'd like us to appear. Send us some questions. If you've got an idea, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments or reach out by whatever other method. Facebook seems to be a popular one. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week. I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.